Good morning, Thrive. Welcome to Thrive Church Online. It's so great to see all of you online this lovely Sunday. My name is Christine, and I'll be your online host for today. If this is your first time tuning in, we would love to welcome you. Be sure to text NEW to 604-285-5770, and we'll mail you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. And attention, all parents, don't forget to visit mythrive.info slash thrivekids so you can download the kids activity for today and follow along with during our kids' Zoom classes from 10.45 to 11.15 a.m. There will be kids' worship, a lesson, and games. So it's going to be a lot of fun and I hope to see all the kids online. All right, do you guys all have your keyboards ready? Let's get into it by commenting in the chat room your favorite ice cream flavor. I know, I know, it's a hard choice, but I'll go with green tea myself. Let's hear your answers. selfie of yourself and post it on all of your social media platforms and be sure to tag us at hashtag Thrive Church Online. All right, everyone, are you ready to jump into and hear about another exciting pivotal moment? Get comfy in your chair and you don't want to miss the message today. If you blink, you might just miss it. So let's get to it to today's word. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and it gives you great pleasure to welcome you to an amazing Sunday to draw near to God together. A big welcome to each and every one of you watching wherever in the world you may be watching today. If this is your first time here, you are what we call our VIP, and a massive welcome to you, especially here at Thrive. We have a saying, which is a welcoming. is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, would you just welcome one another in your chat room? rooms right now. Would you turn to your neighbor? If you've got a neighbor sitting beside you, give them a high five, a handshake, even a warm hug if that's appropriate. And let's just welcome one of the church and say, it's great to see you here today. Glad to be in church with you. Let's welcome our VIPs especially. It's so great to have each and every one of you here. A huge welcome to each and every one of you to Thrive Church Online today. Well, if you're wondering why do we do this, why do we even exist as a church, well, let me tell you right now, and I'm going to show you some blanks. You can fill them in in the chat room, and then we're going to repeat it together so that we get this in our hearts. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Here at Thrive Church, we exist for five purposes called A-E-I-O-U. A stands for, write it in there, it's alive. Alive means we're here to worship, write it in, Jesus. E stands for expectant, and expectant means that we're here to, write it in, grow into Christ-like disciples. I stands for involved, it means we're here to serve God with our talents. O stands for out loud, it means we're here to lead others to Jesus. U stands for, write it in there, united, and that means we're here to love our spiritual family, and our dream is a church of 10,000 AEIOU leaders here in the city of Vancouver and all around the world. Oh, come on, give God a big big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. That's our vision, that's our dream as a church together. And we're going to fill in all those blanks right now. Why don't you say it with me one more time? Let's get in our hearts today. Here at Thrive Church, we exist for five purposes called AEIOU. A stands for alive. It means we're here to worship Jesus. E stands for expectant. It means we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. I stands for involved, means we're here to serve God with our talents. O stands for out loud, means we're here to lead others to Jesus. U stands for united, means we're here to love our spiritual family. And our dream is to build a church of 10,000 AEIOU leaders here in Vancouver and around the world. Would you turn to your neighbors in your chat room beside you, give them a high five, an air high five, and say you were made to be AEIOU. 
You were made to be A-E-I-O-U. And hey, speaking of you, which stands for United, can we give a big, united, big round of applause to all of our staff and our volunteers who make every Sunday possible for us? Can you just give them a big clap right now? Can you see some clap emojis in the chat room? Can you give some appreciation to all of our volunteers and our staff who work so hard to make our services week after week possible here at Thrive Church Online? I'm so grateful for you guys and all of our church. Thanks, you guys, for all of your hard week, every single week, uh, to make these services possible uh, for us. We are so grateful. And hey, speaking of being united, can I encourage us when we're online, not just at service, but on social media, let's be united. Amen? You know, when you're on Facebook, when you're on our Instagram page, when you're on YouTube, let's, let's, let's show that, that we are united church by liking posts, by commenting, by interacting. In so doing, we show the world that Thrive Church is truly a united spiritual family and it gets more eyes on what God is doing here at Thrive so we can see God doing amazing things in more and more places and in more and more people. If you believe that, say amen. And so even right now, you want them to take 30 seconds, go to your Facebook account, go to Instagram, go to our, 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 our feed there on social media and go and give a like somewhere. You know, maybe subscribe, maybe like, do whatever it is to be online and united together. Praise God. We are a united church family wherever we are, online, offline, everywhere we go. We want to be united together. Well, right now, I have the privilege of bringing a message to you guys that I believe is going to be uh, a very encouraging one for many of you today, hopefully a really helpful one for many of you today. Before getting to that, why don't you get your Bibles out right now. This is what my Bible looks like. Maybe yours is a paper Bible. Uh, maybe yours is a downloaded phone that you were, or phone you download the Bible into, a device you download the Bible into. Either way is cool. Why don't you hold up your Bible near like so right now, and let's make, let's make this proclamation together in faith as we get into the message together right now. This is a fun way to get our hearts ready for the message today. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we're doing a series here at Thrive that we're so excited about. It's called Pivotal Moments. Everyone say Pivotal Moments. And in this series called Pivotal Moments, we're talking about real-life situations where you have to make a tough decision and the lessons we can learn from it. I want to thank all of our speakers who've been a part of the series so far, sharing very personally from their lives about times when they had to make a tough decision and the lessons that they learned from those tough decisions. And the fact is this, they're not the only ones who have pivotal moments. The fact is you have a pivotal moment in your life, more than one most likely, and we would love to hear about that. Thank you so much to all those who've already shared your pivotal moments for us, so touched by the things that you guys have shared so encouraged, uh, you know, and you're just really blessed by the different stories we've heard. If you want to go to mythrive.info and go to My Pivotal Moment, we'd love to hear your story of just maybe it was a tough decision, maybe it was a tough moment in your life, maybe it was a life-changing decision, maybe it was a life-changing moment that as a result, your life has never been the same. We'd love to hear about that and the lessons that you learned from that because we all have pivotal moments to learn and to grow from. If you believe that, say amen. Well, today, as part of our Pivotal Moments series, I'm here to share with you uh, a message that I've entitled, What Was I Thinking? What Was I Thinking? Would you turn to your neighbors in the chat room right now or beside you and just tell them, What Was I Thinking? What Was I Thinking? You know, question mark, you know, exclamation mark, and another question mark, What Was I Thinking? Has this ever happened to you before? Is that you did something or you said something, and the moment that word came out of your mouth, the moment you did that thing, you thought to yourself, what was I thinking? Has that ever happened to you before? Once I was in a meeting, I was meeting this prominent figure in our city, and we met at a local Denny's restaurant. And I remember I'm meeting him for the very first time, never met him before. And so there we are, we're meeting at the, at, at the front of the Denny's restaurant, and this is my first time ever meeting him. And uh, I remember we're just having conversation, and all of a sudden he opens up his wallet. And I glance at his wallet, I notice there's a photo in his wallet, so I decide to make a comment. I say, hey, that, that's a handsome son you have there. And uh, he looks at me with a really strange look, and he says, that's not my son. That's my wife. And I was like, okay, uh, you have a beautiful wife. You know? and, but, but deep inside, I'm thinking to myself, 
Oh my goodness, what was I thinking? And see, here's the thing. Not only have I had moments in my life where I thought, what was I thinking? Fact is, I've had periods of years in my life where I look back now and I think to myself, what was I thinking? And I want to share with you one of those periods from my life today. Today, I want to talk to you about one of the biggest regrets I ever had when it came to dating and relationships. And here's the thing. This is not an easy or enjoyable thing for me to talk about. It's actually quite embarrassing. But hopefully, as with so many things I share with you guys from this pulpit, uh, it's my embarrassment for your encouragement. All right? It's, It's my humiliation for your edification, hopefully. And hopefully, through this story, you're going to take away something that's going to help you in whatever situation you're in today. Now, here's the thing. What makes this extra awkward for me is that when I'm sharing this story, I can't see you guys. But the one person I can see is my wife. Charlene right here. And the fact is I'm talking about one of the biggest uh, regrets I had when it comes to dating. And, and, and this is the thing is that praise God that Charlene loves me unconditionally. All right. Um, praise God. Uh, and thank you. And I, I hope you love me unconditionally as well. Uh, fact is that's what Jesus tells you to do. So would you turn to your neighbor and say, God, I love him. Gotta love him. I'm sorry. Gotta love me. And I love you too. That's the thing. And, and here's the thing. Today, in talking about this regret and some of the mistakes that I made that led to this regret about dating and relationships, I want to make it really clear today, absolutely clear, that the person that I made this mistake with, because of course it takes more than one person to date, the person I made this mistake with is certainly not a mistake herself. And far from it, much the opposite, she is this truly outstanding, talented, beautiful person with an incredible heart for God, an incredible heart for people. Uh, She is married now to a dear friend of mine, and they have a beautiful, amazing family of their own. And I will always be thankful for the impact that she had in my life. And though I regret a number of decisions that I made concerning uh, our dating relationship, I certainly don't regret our friendship, and I have nothing but gratitude and respect for her and for husband and the blessing that they've been to me. And so in sharing the story, this is really about me. It's really about the unwise way that I approach dating and relationships and not so much about her personally. Uh, And so are you guys ready for the story? You guys ready? All right, here we go. Well, um, this happened uh, about last year. I'm kidding, not last year. Uh, This happened decades ago when I was still a teenager. Uh, I was young I was a young Christian, excited about my faith. I was growing in my relationship with God. And if you know what that's like, if you've been that before, you know that one of the sweetest, most powerful things, most encouraging things you can experience as a Christian is life and friendship with other Christians. It's what the Bible calls fellowship. And that's not to say that when you have friendships with people who aren't Christians or don't come from a Christian background, that they're not wonderful, they are. But there's just something very unique and special about when you're in a friendship with someone who shares the same uh, faith as you, that you can encourage one another, you can pray for one another. And and see, here's the thing. This one girl uh, among my circle of Christian friends uh, was someone I really looked up to. And on a spiritual level, we really connected. We really hit it off. And, you know, the more we got to know each other, the more we'd call each other and we'd, we'd talk late into the night sharing about what we're learning in our time with God and, you know, t- sharing about our lives, praying together. And to me, this was just this, this cool, innocent, platonic relationship, friendship between a Christian brother and a Christian sister. And I didn't expect anything romantic to come out of it. Little did I know that in the process of us, you know, getting to know each other, she started developing feelings for me. And when I learned about that, I was shocked. I I didn't know how to respond. I was really confused. I was like, God, is is this a sign? And and if this is from you, then why is it that I don't quite feel the same way uh, in return? And and one thing you need to understand about me is that in the past, I'd pursued people, you know, before where it was all about just chasing a feeling. It was all you know, based on, you know, some kind of romantic feeling and romantic attraction I had to them. And, and you know, I never really considered that person's character or their, that person's relationship, their relationship with God. And so those times when I pursue people never end up working out well. And so I was in a place where I started to think, well, you know, maybe it's not so much about how I feel. Maybe it's more just about character and that's all there is to it. And so look at her. You know, she's a wonderful, godly woman with great character. And, and she would make a great wife, no doubt, for someone one day. And maybe all the is happening because this is God's way of telling me, hey, JB, don't focus on feelings. Focus on faith. And one day, 
uh, I'm, I'm reading in my time with God, I'm reading in the book of Ruth. And, uh, you know, the story of Ruth, if you don't know, is known as one of the great love stories of the Bible. Uh, and, you know, Ruth, she's this young widow. You know, she loses her husband at a young age. She moves with her mother-in-law to her mother-in-law's country of Israel. There, Ruth, she meets this reputable, well-respected, God-fearing man called Boaz. They meet, they fall in love, they get married. Eventually, together, they become the great-grandparents of King David in the Old Testament. They eventually become the ancestral progenitors of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And I don't know what I was thinking, but on that day when I'm reading the book of Ruth, the story of Ruth and Boaz, for some reason, I started to make these connections. All these connections, actually not all, these, there weren't that many connections, but just a couple, some connections between Ruth in the Bible and my friend that I was considering. Oh, I thought, oh, just as Ruth was a widow who lost her husband, oh, so my friend, uh, you know, she's been never been married before, but she was in a difficult relationship and, and that broke up and, 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 and I, guess so, so I, I guess she's like a widow. You know, and, and then and I started to see connections between me and Boaz. Oh, Boaz, he's 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 a he, he's a reputable guy, and I, I think I'm I think I'm a pretty reputable guy. I, you know, he's a God fearing guy. I, I'm a God fearing guy. He's a good looking guy. I, no, he doesn't. The Bible doesn't say anything about being good looking. But the fact is, I just saw all these connections between me and Boaz, and and I thought about Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, and I connected Naomi to this woman that this this girl was being mentored by, and I thought, oh, as a teenager, I thought, oh, it all makes sense. It, it, it's it's God. God's sign for me that you know the the story of Ruth and Boaz is a blueprint for my story with this girl. And now if if you know if JB in 2020 could go back in time, take a time machine and talk to teenage JB way back then, I think JB of 2020 would definitely lay hands on that teenage JB, not necessarily the open face type, but maybe the closed-fisted type, and go, what are you thinking? Because the fact is, you, what, you think you guys are going to be the great-grandparents of the new King David? You, you think you're going to be the ancestors of the second coming of Christ? You know, like, like what, what, you think the, the B and JB stands for Boaz? Like, what, what in the world are you thinking? That's no way to read the Bible. And, and, and hey, by the way, teenage JB, just because a girl goes through a bad breakup doesn't make her a widow, okay? The fact is this, God's word is the most awesome, life-transforming, hope-giving relationship book of all time. But if you aren't careful in the way you apply God's word, you're going to lead yourself and others astray. If you believe that, say amen. And see, here's the thing is, you know, that's why we've got Thrive Disciple School nowadays, where we teach you how to apply, how to read, how to study the Bible, how, how it connects with your life. But, but back then, I, 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 didn't, I didn't really have any, you know, any, any interest in that. I just had my interpretation of the book of Ruth, and I, I shared it with this girl, and she was so touched. She said, oh, I love that. Oh, of course she loves that, right? And, and, and here's the thing, to make a long story short, we eventually start dating. And in making that decision to start dating, I didn't consult anyone for advice. I just would tell people, yeah, we're dating now. Yeah, within about a week of asking this girl out, something didn't feel right. It was strange to me because, you know, there, there I have this amazing girl, and yet I would have also this overwhelming feeling of a lack of peace about the fact that we're doing this. And I'd even tell her, I was feeling, we had a strong relationship. I thought, I, I, I'll just tell her, you know, this is, I'm not sure if we're supposed to do this. I'm not sure if I want to do this. And, and, and we'd call these, these, these feelings in me waves. And she'd go, are you going through a wave again? And you know, looking back, she could have, and she probably should have just gotten angry and said, you either want this or you don't want this, but since you can't decide, I'm out of here. That's what, what, what she probably should have done. But you know, instead, you know, she, she tried to hang on and she painfully tried to see me through. You know, if, if I was her dad at the time, I would have gotten my shotgun at that point and gone, get out of here, buddy. This is not, this is not for you. But see, fast forward two years later, and we're still together. We're still trying to do this dating thing. But no matter what we would do, and no matter how much time would pass, things were not getting any better. And that lack of peace didn't go away. And whenever I'd pray about it, when I'd pray about, you know, should I end this dating relationship? I would hear these two conflicting voices of, you know, yes and no. In my heart, I'd, I'd hear a yes and I'd hear a no. And I was so confused. I was losing confidence in my ability to hear from God. And see, here's the thing. Eventually, I decided to break things off feeling tremendously guilty for wasting two years of this girl's life, for breaking her heart, and even as my heart was breaking as well. 
it would take me a while to recover from this. Uh, in fact, to her credit, she moved on quickly, I think relatively quickly. For the next six to eight months, I was still beating myself up for the mistakes that I had made. And looking back now, you know, decades later, I can say that that was one of the most confusing, painful times of my life. And I learned the hard way some important lessons when it comes to things like how to make important decisions, how to go about stuff like dating and relationships, how to approach hearing the voice of God and what to look for in a life partner. And so I just thought today as part of our Pivotal Moments series and as something to, to learn from the story of a shared youth, can I share just a few of those lessons with you today? Is that okay? Can I share that with you? Yeah, is that okay? All right, let me share just a few of the lessons that I've been learning as a result of that difficult time that, uh, that we went through. Number one is when making important decisions, get good advice. Get good advice. Have you ever done this before? You're needing to make a decision, but instead of consulting anyone, instead of talking about anyone and saying, hey, what do you think? Out of panic or out of pride or maybe out of laziness or just because you don't think it's necessary, you make this quick, impulsive decision yourself only to regret it later on. Has that ever happened to you before? And as a result, you end up hurting yourself or you end up hurting someone you love or your reputation gets damaged or all of the above. You know, one of the big mistakes I made in my approach to dating this girl was that I didn't ask anyone for advice. I thought a lot, I prayed a lot, but I never took the time to really ask the people I respect and who know me well, hey, what do you think? Do you think this is a good idea? See, instead of involving them in my decision-making process, I would just announce to them what I'd already decided to do. And, you know, this is not me, myself, alone, but, you know, even this past week, I was talking to this one lady who, who bought a business, and she had recently, just a few months ago, just paid a, a bunch of money, tens upon tens of thousands of dollars to buy a business. She signed all these different papers and legal contracts, but never bothered to get any professional advice on what she was signing. And as a result, she's now living with a whole lot of regret because she ended up signing herself to and paying for something that she never bargained for. And now she's saying to me, I should have listened to some advice. I should have gotten some advice before I did this. I should have listened to my dad who was warning me about this. And, and, and that's what she said. And see, what's the lesson here? Don't quarantine your decision-making process. See, in other words, don't go into quarantine mode and say, I don't want to hear from anyone. I don't want to see anyone. I'm just going to social distance myself and make this decision on my own. Don't quarantine your decision-making process. Instead, you want to have the humility to say, what am I missing here? Is there something I'm not seeing that others see? Because the fact is this, we all have blind spots. Turn to your and say, we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. We all have things that we, we don't see that others see. And so it's so important to get advice from people who can help you see what you don't see. Proverbs 12, 15 says it this way. It says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 19.20 says it this way. It says, get all the advice and instruction you can so you'll be wise the rest of your life. See, after that painful experience where I didn't ask anyone for advice before I decided to date this amazing girl, I finally began to value, after that relationship broke up and, and, and things fell apart, I finally began to realize the value of advice. The value of, of the advice of even people like my parents and my pastors when it came to relationships. And, and I, I was surprised. I was like, wow, I, I, I never knew my parents were so smart. Or, wow, I never knew my pastors were so insightful. And, and, and that's the fact is that, is that they had insight into me that I didn't see myself. They had insight into the situation that I didn't see myself. But you may be like, well, but JB, you don't know my situation. You don't know my parents. My parents don't know God. Well, they might not know God, but let me tell you this. They know you unless they've been sitting under a rock all their lives, totally distanced from you, they have insight into you. And there may be very well, as you're looking at that situation today, some blind spots that you don't see that they can help you see. And so I'm telling you today, don't quarantine your decision-making process, but get the advice that you need. Aren't you glad that you don't have to face your pivotal moments alone? And you shouldn't. The fact is, we need to get advice before making important decisions. If you believe us, say amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, get good advice. Get good advice. Number two, second lesson I learned from that pivotal moment in my life is be careful not to over-spiritualize your decisions. 
What do I mean by over-spiritualize your decision? See, to over-spiritualize something means to think about a situation or to think about a person or think about a decision only in spiritual terms without giving due consideration to the other aspects of that situation, without giving consideration to the practical part of it, the financial part of it, the relational part of it, the emotional part of it, the human part of it. And see, how do you know if you are over-spiritualizing a decision that you're trying to make? You know, today, originally, I want to give you three or four clues on, that, on, on the fact that maybe, maybe, just maybe, you're over-spiritualizing your situation. But today, I just want to give you one, and you want the rest, you come to our, our, our Zoom prayer meeting on Tuesday, and I'll give it to you then. Here's one clue on that you might be over-spiritualizing your decision. You write this down. A clue that you might be over-spiritualizing your situation is you depend a lot on external signs without carefully thinking through your situation. See, that's what I did, is that I was focused on these signs. Ruth and Boaz, me and this girl, it's a sign, it's meant to be. And and here's the thing, in other words, I was more focused on feelings than the facts. I was more focused on the ideal than the real. Instead of thoughtfully processing the decision internally, I'm attributing all this meaning and significance to things happening externally, and it's like I've abandoned the idea of even carefully thinking through the decision. And when I abandon the idea of carefully thinking through the decision and I'm focused only on, oh, this sign is telling me this and this sign is telling me this, you know what the risk is? I, I relinquish ownership of the decision and I leave it to something or someone else outside of me to make the decision for me. And that's a dangerous thing. Amen? And see, that is called over-spiritualizing your decision. That's what I did. Instead, what would she do? Instead of over-spiritualizing your decision, here's what we do. We need to pray passionately, but we also need to think strategically and choose discerningly. Amen? Philippians 1, 9 to 11 says this. It says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. See, what is Paul saying? See, once you look at those verses right now, it says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. See, here's Paul. He is a church planter. He's a missionary. And he's speaking to the church in the city of Philippi, a church that he helped to start. And he's saying this to the people in this church. He's saying, guys and gals, I hope and I pray that you guys would grow in wisdom, in knowledge, in depth of insight so that you can make good decisions for your life. So you can make good discerning decisions about what is best and how you love people and what's best for your future. Not that someone else would make the decision for you, but that you would be able to discern what is best. And keep on reading verse 10. It says, and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. See, what's, what's he saying? In other words, being spiritually mature, being, like it says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Being spiritually mature is not just about hearing the voice of God all the time, and, but it's about also having the wisdom to make good decisions that bring honor to God, blessing to you, blessing to those around you. That's how you grow. Amen. See, don't get me wrong. As Christians, do we need to learn to hear the voice of God? Absolutely. In fact, we spent a significant amount of time in something called Thrive Disciple School. It's an, it's, a, it's, a, it's an organic program that we've created here to help you in your relationship with God. We spent a significant amount of time in Thrive Disciple School to equip you on how to hear from the Holy Spirit. We talk about who the Holy Spirit is and, and how do you know when it's the Holy Spirit talking to you? How do you know when it's not the Holy Spirit talking to you? And see, the fact is, is there are matters in our lives, issues in our lives, topics in our lives, decisions in our lives where we absolutely need to seek the voice of God and the guidance of God. But if you are the kind of person who finds that you need to audibly, personally hear the voice of God on every little decision you make, then that is not, that's not necessarily a sign of maturity. That could be a sign of immaturity. And, and well, let, 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 let me give you an example. Just ask parents who've been trying to homeschool their kids during COVID-19. When the child keeps on nagging, mom, I'm done. What do I do now? Mom, I'm finished. What do I do now? Mom, I'm bored. What do I do now? See, that, that's not a sign of maturity. That's a sign of maybe immaturity, maybe laziness. It's because they haven't learned to think for themselves yet. And see, here's the thing. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Shar and I, we, we took our family to Whistler for a short vacation. 
and we had a great time. There was one afternoon where it was just me and my two-year-old Caleb, and we're in the car, and we are in Whistler Village somewhere, and uh, we need to get home, we're, and home is about 10 minutes away. And you know, usually up to that point, whenever we need to get home, we would always use Charlene's phone, where we would you know, input the GPS and activate the GPS, and it would take us home. And here's the thing, it's just me and Caleb today, and I didn't have Char's phone with me. I didn't even have the, the address of the place we're staying. <gasps> And, and here's the thing, is, is I didn't have Char's phone. I couldn't rely on that voice telling me, go, you know, go north for 100 meters, turn left. And I, I was off all the time. I've been so used to relying on this voice to tell me where to go. And finally, I don't have access to that voice. And now what happens? Now, because it's just me and Caleb, I need to figure this out myself. And now I'm looking at my surroundings. I'm trying to go by memory. I'm trying to use my judgment. And praise God, we got home. And after that experience, I realized, hey, maybe I don't need the GPS to tell me where to go so much. And, and I knew how to get there now. So the next morning, we're back in the village. And Shara says, hey, do you need me to set the GPS? And with a smile on my face, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm all right. And, and praise God, is why? It's because I had an experience where instead of just relying on some voice to tell me where to go, I had to use some muscles that God had given to me, like my memory, like my judgment. And as a result, guess what? I grew in a small way. And here's the thing, in a similar way, do you know why God doesn't always speak to you personally about every little thing in your life? Well, it's not because he's not there. It's not because he doesn't care. It's not because you're not spiritual enough. It's because God respects you. He respects your freedom, and he respects your ability to make choices, and he wants you to use it. He wants you to grow up and become someone who, with a discerning heart, is able to make good decisions and take ownership of them. Amen. Because if we're the type of people who are always looking to God to personally tell us every little thing we go, we go to, we go to Subway, and, and the person, hey, welcome to Subway. Can I help you? Uh, just a minute, please. God, is it turkey foot long or ham foot long? Please tell me. And what bread? What bread? I know you're the bread of life. So tell me, which bread is it? Is it nine grain wheat? Is it, is it, is it honey oat? Please tell me, God. Not only would you be looking really strange in the Subway, but you're going to find this, is that that's not necessarily a sign of maturity. That could be a sign of you don't know how to make your own decisions. And here's the thing, God didn't make us to be that way. And see, here's the thing, you got to realize that instead of just praying for signs, we got to ask God for wisdom. Faith and wisdom are not enemies. Faith and wisdom are partners. And the most spiritually mature people that I know aren't just people who are all about, oh, God is saying this to me now, and God is saying this to me now, and it's all the time all about God's voice, but they're also, and they're also not like the world where they're just leaning on their own understanding, you know, just you know, making decisions just based on their own analysis and their own experience, but there's a balance. The most spiritually mature people I know, on one hand, they passionately pray, and they're desperately seeking God on God's heart for the most important issues of their life, but at the same time, they're they're also carefully thinking through the decision. They're getting advice until when they put it all together, they have what seems to be God's leading for them into the best, most peaceful direction to take. If you believe that, say amen. See, we all kind of tend to fall into extremes. One extreme is we're just all about the voice of God, all about the voice of God, even in little things, all about the voice of God. The other extreme is that we're just all about us, all about our thoughts and our, th our feelings and what we want. We need to come to a balance and realize that God uses both. Amen. Have a healthy approach to hearing the voice of God. And if you want that healthy approach, I encourage you to sign up for Thrive Disciples School. Go to mythought.info for the next offering of that. Finally, last lesson that I learned from this pivotal moment in my life. When finding the right partner, don't just focus on one area of compatibility. See, girls, when it comes to finding the right one, they'll usually ask you know, the same kind of questions. Oh, is, is he sweet? You know, is he romantic? Does he make me laugh? Does he make me feel safe? Is he tall? Does he have nice hair? That, that's if they're in their teens or 20s. If they're in their 30s or 40s, it says, does he have some hair? Right? If they're in their 50s or 60s, they may ask, does he have any hair? Right? That, that's for, for girls. For guys, it's even simpler. When it comes to finding the other half, it's like, uh, is she female? Uh, is she hot? Uh, does she have a boyfriend? 
boyfriend? Uh, is she hot? Uh, does she like video games? Uh, is she hot? See, I, I'm over simplifying it. I'm exaggerating for effect, but you get the idea. Is that when it comes to find the right partner, a lot of times we make the mistake of considering just one level of compatibility. And I made the same mistake as well. I focused on not these things, but I focused on the spiritual level and how we connected so much, but I largely ignored everything else. While we got along and hit it off on a spiritual level, the fact is we were in different life stages. Our personalities, when we're not in a spiritual setting, would sometimes, you know, would sometimes, you know, clash a bit. Our, our, our family backgrounds are really different. When we were together with friends of our own, uh, it, it didn't always feel natural for me. And here's the thing. Before, it was such a mystery. Oh, why didn't I feel any peace about this relationship? Why don't I feel any peace? She's such an awesome girl, and she is an awesome girl. But now, it's not that much of a mystery to me anymore. It's that I was focusing on one level of compatibility, but on the other levels that I wasn't focusing on, we actually weren't that compatible. And it wasn't so much who's right or who's wrong, but it's about are we right for one another? And see, Amos chapter 3, verse 3 in the New King James Version says this, can two walk together unless they are agreed? In the message version, it says, do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? See, we're talking about compatibility. What's compatibility? Compatibility is, in, in relationships, compatibility is about how easily and naturally two people get along based on their personality, based on their background. How naturally do they fit together? And see, we tend to focus on just like one level of compatibility, but the fact is there are so many levels of compatibility to consider. You know, as my dad would say, marriage is the coming together of two people on every conceivable level. It's all of your strengths, all of that person's strengths. All of your weaknesses, all of that person's weaknesses. All of your issues, all of that person's issues. All of them are coming together to form one. And if you're focused only on one level of compatibility, you know what? That's like going house shopping and you buy a house just because you like the front lawn, but you don't take the time to inspect anything else. See, that's what it's like when you're focusing on only one level of compatibility. You need to live in that house for the rest of your life and you can never sell it again. And so you got to make sure you're making the right decision. See, since compatibility is about being aligned in more than one area, what are some areas of compatibility that we should be considering? Say you're someone who wants to get married. You want to find that life harder. What are some of those areas that we should be considering? Well, let me give you just a few. And the fact is this, is in a series last year called Known and Loved, we talk about this in even more detail. We talk about in a series called Known and Loved, we have an episode called The Compatibility Factor. And in another message, we talk about something that's even more important than compatibility, talking about the number one thing to look for in a life partner. But let me just summarize for you just a few of those areas of compatibility that you need to consider. The first one, was, it's not the most important one, but it's one of them is physical attraction. See, if you don't think the Bible talks about the importance of physical attraction, you got to read a book like Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, which is this dialogue between the bride and the groom on their wedding night. And if you read Song of Songs, you're going to notice something. When they're talking to another, they're not saying, oh, I love the way you take notes during the sermon. Or, I love the way you lift your hands when we sing. Or, I love the sound of your voice when you pray out loud. They're not saying that. They're saying stuff like, I love your lips. I love your eyes. I love your face. I love your neck. I love everything beneath that I won't mention right now. And it, it, so what is that? Some of you are like, duh, of course physical attraction is important. And, and maybe for you, that's all you focus on. you got to focus on more. Amen? But some of you, you don't focus on this at all. And instead of over-spiritualizing things, you need to give more attention to this very real aspect of a romantic relationship. Are you physically attracted to that person? See, does that mean that the other person must be America's next top model? Of course not. It just means there needs to be some, at least some level of physical attraction. Otherwise, there's going to be passion missing in that relationship. If you believe that, say amen. Here's the, that's, that's one level of compatibility. Here's another level of compatibility. Age and life stage compatibility. See, don't get me wrong. When you are 90 years old and your partner is 100 years old, it's not going to make a much difference at that time. But especially early on, I would say maybe the first 50 years of your marriage, if there is a 10, 20, 30 year gap between the two of you, 
then guess what? If you are in different life stages and there's such a big gap, there will likely be some tension between the two of you because of that. Is that it's, and it's because you guys are in different life stages and you want different things. One of you wants to focus on your studies. The other one is focused on your know, family. One wants to focus on their career. The other one focuses on, 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 getting, on having kids. One of you is ready to get married. One of you is not ready to get married. And, and see, one of you wants to go dancing to Drake and, 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 and BTS. The other one just wants to fall asleep in their armchair listening to Beethoven. And see, and see that what's happening is that it's not, it's not a right or wrong thing. It's just you're in different life stages, and that naturally makes things tough. Background compatibility is another one. We're talking about your economic background, your social background, your cultural background. See, for example, if you grew up in a rich family, and the other person comes from maybe a, a family where they struggled a lot financially, guess what? There's going to be tensions between the two of you very likely on how you look at money. You know, if one of you comes from a doctorate background, you have, you have so many degrees, you're like Mr. Alphabet, and you've got all these degrees, or, and, the, and the other person you know, didn't graduate from high school, guess what? There's going to be built-in tension into the relationship just because of your background. As, as much as we love movies like Titanic, you know, Rose and Jack, you know, Rose the aristocrat, Jack the, the struggling artist, or Pretty Woman, you know, with, with Richard Gere being the, 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 the suave, you know, very rich businessman, Julie Roberts is, is, is the prostitute, you know, Aladdin, you know, a whole new world. You have all these different Cinderella stories where, oh, it didn't matter what our backgrounds were. We're just so much in love. Practically speaking, that's Hollywood, but practically speaking, for broken human beings like you and me, when two people from different backgrounds, economically or socially, if you come from different backgrounds, your expectations of how you live will be different. And that includes stuff like how you spend your money, what kind of house you live in, what kind of vacations you go on. And if the two of you come from different backgrounds that way, economically, you will likely have conflicting values on money that will cause conflict. The same goes for things like being part of it, being, being from different cultures, different countries, speaking different languages. Again, nothing wrong. It's beautiful that we come from such diverse places, but when you decide that you're gonna be with someone who's from a different culture, different country, different language, it's the fact that you need to be prepared for extra work that you wouldn't do if you were married to someone who's from a similar background, amen. See, here's the thing. You know, it can go from, if you're you know, with someone who's from a different culture, uh, it's, it's one of those where it can go from so exciting, go, oh, she's so different. She's so exotic. No, she's so foreign. She's so exciting. To after a while going, she's so different. She's so foreign. And she's so exhausting. Because it's one of those things where you might even think at times, man, it would have been much easier if I'd married someone who came from the same culture as me or who speaks the same language as me because there's a similar assumptions that we have about life. And see, this is very real. Again, it's not that it won't work or it can't work. Love can bridge any gap, but the fact is it will be built in into the relationship. That's called the compatibility factor. Here's another one, family compatibility. See, in marriage, whether you like it or not, it's not just two people coming together, but it's two families coming together. You're not just marrying the person but you're marrying into that person's family. And if you are so much in love with that person, but you don't get along with that person's family, or if the other person's parents are overbearing or hypercritical or super controlling, get ready for some real difficulties that you're gonna need to work through with you and your spouse and your new family. It's family compatibility. Now you may be, oh, don't worry, JB. I I've seen Meet the Parents. Or I've seen, you know, like, you know, like a, what's it, crazy rich Asians, or I, I've seen monster in-law, and let me tell you, that's Hollywood, all right? Unfortunately, unlike Hollywood rom-coms, tensions between in-laws don't get settled in two and a half hours. Tensions between in-laws often will last a lifetime or decades, and it's because that's real life. If you want to minimize the amount of trouble you go through with your spouse's side of the family, you want to make it one of your requirements that the person I marry must get along well with my family. And see, that doesn't mean that they're all buddy-buddy and they, 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 they want to share the same room whenever we go on vacation because they love each other so much they can't, they can't be without each other. No, no, but it's about at least they're cordial. 
At least they're polite to one another. At least they're generally peaceful in their interactions. Amen. Is this helpful in this place so far? I hope it is. Here's another level of compatibility, social compatibility, is that when you're with others together as a couple, how do you like the dynamic between the two of you? See, if both of you need to be the life of the party, you know, both of you have to have the best joke, you know, and, and, and in which case, you're going to find that sometimes you're going to be competing for people's attention. You're going to be competing with one another instead of complimenting one another. Or, or, when you when you're with that person in a crowd, are you proud to be associated with that person? That's social compatibility. Another one is teamwork compatibility. Is that do you work well together as a team? If, if both of you are control freaks that need to be in control all the time, if, if it's something where both of you have to be in the lead, not, not one of you can be in the background, then that's going to be tough. Again, it's not that it can't work, but it means you have to work something out. You know, another one is dream compatibility. Is that you know, questions like, you know, do you want the same things out of life? Do you have the same goals and ambitions? If one of you has a career or you're pursuing a dream that's going to take you away from the home a lot, is the other person okay with that? Are they supportive of that? You know, if you're living in different cities right now and you're doing long distance right now, are you in agreement about where you're finally going to end up one day? Or is that still a question? Are you guys living for the same purpose? Are you pursuing the same goals? That's called dream compatibility. And I can say that from personal experience. I can, I can tell you that when there is dream compatibility, you and the person can become this powerful team and that God can use you together as a team even more powerfully than he could as you with you as individuals. But that's when there's dream compatibility. When there isn't dream compatibility, you're going to find this, is that you're like, you're, you're going to often feel like you are sacrificing a huge part of you for the sake of the other person. And, and though you love that person very, very much, it's like it's bittersweet because you always wonder, you know, what if I married someone who is more supportive of what I do or what I want? See, that's, that's, that's dream compatibility. See, again, all these areas have little to do with who's right and who's wrong. It has more to do with are you right for one another. And it's about how the two of you are naturally built. If you are compatible in a lot of these areas, then guess what? Your relationship is going to feel like the, your, the wind is behind your back and you've got momentum. Marriage will not be easy, but it will be easier. Now, if you're not compatible in a number of these areas, it doesn't mean the relationship can't work, but what it means is that there will be more, there will be times, more times, when you feel like you are sailing against the wind and that you need to be prepared for tension and conflict and adjustment and a lot more communication. It's not that it can't work, but it means there's a lot of work you have to do. And if you're not compatible in most of these areas, guess what? Get ready for a marriage where there's going to be a good share of pain and a good share of difficulty. This is just being really practical and real. The fact that we go into more detail on this in a series called Known and Loved, the fact that there's something even more important than compatibility that you want to know and look for in a life partner, and we talk about that in that series, but the fact is compatibility is so important. And one last area of compatibility I'll mention right now is this faith compatibility, is that this area of compatibility is so crucial, especially for Christians, and it's so crucial that we dedicate a good chunk of time to talking about this in Thrive Discipleship School. It's this idea that if you and the person you're considering are not on the same page faith-wise, then you're going to find that there's going to be some major trouble that you're going to be having in your relationship as a result. And so, you know, to, that, that, that's why the Bible is very careful to, to warn us. You want to make sure there's faith compatibility. And if you want more on that, make sure you sign up for Thrive Disciples School for that as well. You know, praise God. I'm so thankful that God never wastes a hurt. And God never wastes a mistake. Though the story I shared with you today represented one of the most painful and confusing times in my life, somehow God used it to write a greater story. And you know, years after this experience that I shared with you today, I remember I'm, I'm now dating this, I finally have the, the courage to start dating again. And I'm now dating this girl, her name is Charlene. And prior to asking her out, and even during the process, uh, this time I was careful to ask for good advice. I didn't want to quarantine my decision making anymore. So I was, I was asking, you know, my parents was asking, my pastors asking, friends that I trust, and you know, hey, what do you think? 
I was prayerful about the decision. I prayed about it a lot, but also try to keep a good head on my shoulders at the same time. It's like faith and wisdom in both hands. I realized, you know, looking at compatibility, that, hey, you know, we're not just compatible spiritually, but we're actually compatible on a lot of different levels. That we're not compatible on every level. Trust me, we're not compatible on every level, but that's where love bridges the gap. And, and when it came to asking her to marry me, one day, I just thought, in a sense, in multiple ways, as if God was saying, if you marry her, I will bless you. If you marry her, I will bless you. Notice God didn't say, JB, marry her or else. Marry her or die. See, it, it was always my choice because God gives us the freedom to choose, but I believe it was with God's blessing. And has God blessed our marriage? Absolutely, he has. He's blessed it far beyond all we could ask for or imagine. And the fact is this, in the same way I'm here to tell you today, God knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Whatever regret, whatever mistake, whatever hurt, whatever disappointment, whatever failure you've experienced in life, I'm here to let you know God is greater than that hurt. God is greater than that failure. God is greater than that disappointment. God is greater than that mistake. God is greater than that regret. Do you know why I know that? It's because long before we ever thought about reaching for God, God reached for us when he sent Jesus Christ for us. When we had made every mistake in his book and separated us ourselves from him, when our sins separated us from a holy, perfect God, God didn't abandon us. He didn't say to hell with you. He didn't say, I don't want anything to do with you. Rather, much the opposite, because he loves us and he didn't want to be in eternity without us, he said, I'm going to send Jesus Christ, my son, to live the life that only God in the flesh can live, a life that meets all of my requirements. And then he's going to die on the cross for your sins and my sins so that we could be forgiven, so that our debt to God could be canceled, so that we could be brought back to God. And not only did Jesus die on the cross to forgive us of our sins, but on the third day, he rose again to show that there is no mistake, there is no hurt, there is no failure, there is no regret, no regret, not even death itself is it can contain the love and the power of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. God is far greater than anything else I mean, you're in your past, in your present, or in your future. And that's why I can stand before you today and I can personally attest to the fact that your biggest regrets and your biggest hurts and your biggest failures don't need to be the end of you. That rather, if you're willing to face those hurts and admit those mistakes and learn from those failures, they will become a stepping stone to a greater story that God is writing with your life. And the best is yet to come. Oh, come on, can you give God a big, big hand here in this place right now? He's writing a greater story with your life. Do you see it? The fact is, he is. In other words, believe that the lessons from your past are equipping you for greater success in your future. If you would take the time to learn from the past. If you would take the time to ask God, from that pivotal moment, what have you been teaching me? Proverbs 28, verse 13, last verse says this, as people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to invite you right now to draw near to God. And I want to ask you to do this, is that as you're just responding to God right now, don't worry about your neighbor, what they're doing, it doesn't concern them. This is between you and God. And my question for you is this, is, is there a sin, is there a regret, is there a bad decision, is there a hurt, is there a mistake from your past that bothers you today? If you want forgiveness for that sin, if you want forgiveness for that mistake, God sent Jesus Christ to make that forgiveness possible. And to receive that forgiveness, it's as simple as praying a prayer. If you need that forgiveness today, God's so, so willing to give you that forgiveness. And you just have to pray this prayer. I want you to pray it with me right now. I want you to lift your hands. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need God. And I want you to pray this prayer with me right now and say, Dear Jesus, thank you for your unconditional love for me. That no matter what, my mistakes, my past, my failures, my regrets, none of them separate me from your love. Because you died on the cross to pay for my sins, 
because you rose again to give me life, I open up my heart. Please come in. Forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, then the Bible says you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a priest in God's kingdom. And your life is secure in God's hands. And if you prayed that prayer, we would love it if you would let us know. There's a little, uh, little button there that says, I commit my life to Jesus. If you wouldn't, just, wouldn't mind just touching that button right now, it's simply a way of saying, I prayed that prayer. If you could touch that right now, or you can text the word believe to 604-285-5770. We'd love to find out, and we'd love to give you a message to encourage you, a gift to congratulate you in. Finally, for those of you here who are listening to this message, you realize there was something in this message for you, and you realize in this time when you're trying to make a decision that you can't go it alone, and you don't need to do it alone, that God is here, that your church family is here to support you through this time, why don't you just lift your hand to God right now. If you realize that you need God's wisdom for a decision, God's wisdom for an issue, God's perspective on something that you're going through right now, why don't you lift up your hand to God right now. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need God today. That's it. Why don't you lift your hand to God? Again, this is not between you and your neighbor and God. This is between you and God. It doesn't matter what your neighbor's doing right now. Why don't you just give this time to God? Why don't you give that issue to God right now? And in your own words, just start talking to God right now. Start responding to what you've heard today. Start responding to the message today. Start talking to God. Give that burden to Him. Cast your cares upon Him because He loves you. Just start doing that right now. Give that to Him right now. Don't just look at me. Don't just listen to me. Just start talking to God right now. Start talking to God right now. Start talking to God right now. He loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love. Just he's listening right now. So just start talking to him right now. He's there for you. He's here for you right now. Just start talking to God right now. He loves you. He loves you. So give that burden to him. Give him that issue. Give him that topic. Give him that that decision. Give him all that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? And say, Heavenly Father, thank you that in all the pivotal moments that I go through, I am not alone, but you are with me. When it comes to the decision I'm thinking about making, please help me. Help me to get good advice. Help me not to over-spiritualize this decision. But with wisdom and with faith, help me to make the best decision I can for your glory. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. Oh, come on, there's more in you than that. Give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now. We're going to hand the time to our band. They're going to lead us in a song. Let's continue to worship God through song right now. After that, and lead you in prayer. We're going to close off our service. Let's give God all of our praise and all of our worship because Jesus Christ died and he rose again. The best is yet to come. Let's worship God together.
Father, I want to thank you so much for every single person who joined us for our service today. We thank you, Father, that you know the plans you have for them, plans to prosper them and not to harm them, plans to give us hope and a future. Thank you also for trusting us with the freedom to make our own choices. I pray, God, for every single person here who's needing to make a decision today, a decision about their future, about their family, maybe about their finances, maybe about something dear to them. I pray, God, for all of your wisdom, your peace, your strength, your courage, faith, to fill them during this time so that they will be able to discern what is best, that you would fill them with discernment and understanding to make the best decision they can for you and for them. And we thank you today that because Jesus Christ died and rose again, the best is yet to come. We give you praise. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more time, let's give God a big hand, a big shout. Let's place together right now. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out. As we close off our service today, there's a couple things we're going to do. First off, if you call throughout church or home church or you just believe in the work that God is doing here, it's time to give our faithful tithes, our generous offerings. Know that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. And not only does he add everything we need, but he also builds his church through us. And so thank you so much in advance for giving. Your giving makes such a huge difference. Go to mythrive.info to give. We're going to hand it back to uh, our online host, Christine. That's it from us. Have an amazing Sunday. Have an amazing start to the week. God is with you. We love you. And the best is yet to come. Have a great day, everybody. See you guys really soon. Thank you, Pastor JB, for sharing your pivotal moments with us. We loved hearing it. Now, you know what time it is. It's time for some announcements. Once again, if this is your first time visiting us, let us know by texting NEW to 604-285-5770 and we'll mail you a Thrive Stainless Steel water bottle. And if you made the decision to receive Jesus Christ today, congratulations! Let us know by texting BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. We have prepared a gift that includes a series of videos that may answer some of your questions about Christianity. It'll be mailed right to your door and we hope they'll guide you on the right path to follow Jesus. Alright everyone, join us for a time of prayer and worship online together. We host Zoom prayer meetings every Tuesday at 8.30pm. That's right, it's 8.30pm. We would love to see all of your lovely faces online. And just like Pastor JB mentioned in his message today, he'll also be sharing some clues to help you know if you're over-spiritualizing a decision. For more information, please check out our Facebook or Instagram and be sure to like and follow us for more updates. Alright everyone, as you all know, our current message series are called Pivotal Moments. Can I hear you all say Pivotal Moments? That's right. Each week we have a speaker share a story from their life where a major and tough decision had to be made and how they made that decision. They'll also be sharing what they learned afterwards. I'm sure all of you have Pivotal Moments that you're urging to share and we would love to hear them. So be sure to share your story with us at MyThrive.info and be sure to click My Pivotal Moments. Alright everyone, that's it from me today. Thank you again for joining us on this glorious Sunday. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings. I hope you all have a wonderful week. And I'll see you all next week right here at Thrive Church Online. Bye!